Welcome to DTMMB Media Podcast number 27. This episode, we take a look at All About Eve. Welcome to Real Classics. Okay, as uh, Chris mentioned, we're looking at All About Eve this week, and uh, this is going to be our first uh, in uh, a new series at DTMMB Media, which uh, if you if you followed us for a while, you know we like to try new things. Uh, we're going to go back in time and look at some classic movies. We figure, how many conversations, Chris, have you had with friends, and they've said, oh, I haven't seen this movie or that movie? Yeah, movies that I thought were, you know you had to have seen to you know have even lived on this planet for the last you know at least 30 plus years right yeah sure and and we'll admit there's a lot of movies that we haven't seen a lot of our classics and a lot of things we've seen starts in you know 1970s i think chris has a has more of a a a volume uh as a total of movies that he's seen uh more than i have but i I, you know uh as an for instance this movie that we're going to look at this week all about eve neither of us have seen before right and it's considered a classic i'd always heard about this movie being you know a huge influential movie an award-winning movie Never seen it though. So. Yeah, so we decided to start off with this one. Uh, we initially, you know, thought about doing uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Arabia with uh, Peter O'Toole, who just recently passed away. Uh, but we simply didn't think we'd have time to watch. A, I don't know what is it, six seven hour movie uh, least, before yeah. we wanted to do this uh, this podcast. Maybe we'll eventually get to it. Uh, we do have a random number generator that we're working on that's going to tell us what movie we're watching next week. Uh, we haven't decided on it yet for this uh, for this episode, but we'll get to it next time. Yeah, we maybe should have thought of that a little bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, no, this was good. this was a good one to start with. Yeah, uh, I think so. 1950 classic um, was a best uh, picture Oscar winner as well as uh, several other Oscars, um, and kind of thought of as you know a classic Betty Davis role. Betty Davis, one of the most you know acclaimed actresses, I guess ever. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seemed like a good one, good one to start because I can't say I'm really you know super familiar with her work you know in general other than just knowing who she was. Right. Uh, so this seemed like a pretty good um, a good one to start with. Yeah, and I don't want to shy away from movies that, you know, I've always heard of this movie being classic and being a good movie, but it didn't necessarily strike me as something as, oh, uh, you know, I sound, this is something I'd really be interested in, but I don't want to necessarily shy away from those movies anymore. That's where we're going to pick them randomly to, to look at. We don't want to have any preconceived notions of what we're going into. And I have to say, I'm very happy I watched this movie. It is indeed a classic movie. Yeah, it was definitely worthwhile. Definitely worthwhile seeing. So um, let's just kind of get in the story here a little bit. Uh, the story of All About Eve. Eve um, centers around uh, the aspiring actress Eva Harrington. She maneuvers her way into the lives of Broadway star Margot Channing, uh, who's played by Betty Davis, mm-hmm. uh, playwright Lloyd Richards, and director Bill Sampson. This classic story of ambition and betrayal has become part of the American folklore. Betty Davis claims to have based her character on the persona of uh, film actress Tallulah Bankhead, who I believe was in uh, Lifeboat era. Um, Alfred Hitchcock's lifeboat. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, Davis's line, uh, fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a bumpy night, is legendary. But in fact, all the film's dialogue sparkles with equal brilliance. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I should warn you, uh, this review will contain spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's it, been out. I mean, the movie's been out for 63 years. So. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't seen it by now, uh, this movie did only $10,000 when, uh, when it came out its opening weekend. And I was like, okay. I'm going to look into this. What's the inflation rate? You know, what's the the, the exchange rate uh, from 1950 to now? Obviously, this must must have been a huge blockbuster uh, with all the awards. And I uh, did the calculations, and that comes up to about ninety eight thousand dollars. 
not a huge payout really <laughs> right but uh I, I have no idea really even how to comment on the environment i mean i know no, they I didn't mean, have yeah. multiplex cinemas and you know i guess most you know most towns had a like a one you know a, a one arena cinema and uh Maybe a drive, maybe a drive, well, uh, drive in. Or well, I mean, to be fair, we probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't be looking at dollars. I should try to find out exactly if I can find this information. How many people saw it? Because how much did it cost to go to a movie in 1950? Yeah, and I mean, was this more of a, an RD film? I mean, it was an Oscar-winning film, but it was it maybe it wasn't a commercial success even by the, those days' standards, right? And and you have to think there wasn't social media buzz back then, you know. Uh, I'm I'm not sure how word of mouth was passed. You know, obviously there was newspapers and radio and television, but uh, I'm sure the the environment that we're in today, where you have these movies with these huge budgets that are just mega jug, juggernauts in the in the theater. I mean, you're not going to find a movie in 1950 that had a 200 million dollar million dollar budget, even if any equivalent could be made. It's just not going to happen. It was a, it was a different era. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling that, um, you know, the critical success of this movie probably it probably made money for years, you know, in, in theaters. That's, that was another thing about that era. Mm-hmm. Movies would stay in theaters for longer. I mean, you didn't have you also didn't have home video and things. It wasn't like, True, right. you know, as soon as uh, it was available on home video, it was not in you know theaters any longer. Uh, it, it would show up probably, you know, rotate through uh, throughout the United States for, you know, several years. So uh, it's hard to say. But um, one thing I can say, it was an entertaining story. Yes. Uh, I thought the script was uh, really well written. Like, the dialogue was really sharp. Um, I thought the dialogue was probably the biggest strength of the movie overall. Yeah, I think the dialogue and then just the um, the delivery of the dialogue. We'll talk more about the performances here in a minute. But mm-hmm. uh, especially the sharp-tongued Margot character, played by Betty Davis, was, I thought, particularly well-written mm-hmm. uh, and well-performed. And it was both written and uh, directed by uh, Joseph Mankiewicz, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Um, I, I just kind of quickly looked up his, um, you know, his bio and some of the stuff he'd done, and he he did stuff like Cleopatra and Julius mm-hmm. Caesar right. and some of these big epic, um, you know, historical epic things. I mean, this I don't I, a lot of the movies there I wasn't familiar with to be honest, right. but. Uh, so this was a little different than than probably the stuff other stuff he's known for. I think he did he did some like Broadway musical adaptations to to film and things, Guys and Dolls, I think maybe. Okay. Things like that. So, uh, just a little different probably than than the other movies. If we'd picked another Mankiewicz film, probably would have been a lot different style. No, I I I agree. I, I, you think maybe he was like a Chris, the Christopher Nolan of his day? I don't know as far as how. You know, we would look at a, an equivalent, uh, and and maybe as we go on, we'll see this was more and more commonplace than what we see today, having both the writer and director. Obviously, something we just saw out of the furnace was kind of the same type right. of thing. Yeah, you know, one thing that just kind of occurs to me uh, here talking. About, I mean, Mankiewicz wrote this; uh, he he wrote the screenplay as well um, as as director the film, and the film centers around the quote-unquote Broadway crowd in, in, in 1950s uh, New York. So, um, And then a lot of his work was kind of big theatrical pieces that were done to film. So maybe, you know, he's... I didn't look at his bio, you know, to know uh, his theater background. Right. But, but maybe that has that played into this. Like, maybe this was his kind of statement about working with Broadway 
quote unquote Broadway people, you know. Sure, there was a lot of there was a lot of slams, and I'm not sure if they were true to life slams or just to to talk about the story. Uh, they talked about Hollywood a lot and kind of looked down on Hollywood. You know, this is the theater, this right? Is exactly. Where the, yeah. And like, I just wonder if maybe Mankiewicz was going through some of that. Like, maybe if he right. had worked in theater, and of course he, you know, made his career in in, in film then maybe that was something that he like a statement about that, you know, it hadn't really occurred to me till now that we're discussing it, but you know, maybe that was something that was tied into. Yeah. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, a, 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 well, uh, this, the script was sharp. I mean, there were a lot of, uh, a lot of really witty lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have a movie like this, uh, you know, we kind of talked about this, you and I, before we started doing the classic movies, you had to rely on dialogue so much more right. back then that, you know, you're not going to have, the special effects and, and things like that that we that we rely on today sometimes to spice the movie up. You need to tell the story. It's much more dialogue driven, right? Uh, and also, just the the structure of the story was very good. You know, I we we were kind of talking before about how this is the story of an aging actress uh, and and basically the threat of a younger actress coming up and taking her place. I mean, that's kind of the basis of the story. Uh, there's a lot more into it, and there's a lot more twist. However, that's the story that, at its most basic, and, and today we kind of look at that and think of that as, well, that's a that's a common theme in movies, you know, uh, someone that is somewhat either paranoid or being replaced. Ah, the DTMMB media dog, if you can if you can hear it, uh, you know, somewhat being replaced by a, a younger uh, actor or actress, and that seems commonplace today. Well, maybe this movie kind of set the standard for that. Yeah, it it definitely it definitely has themes that pop up all over the place now in movies and TV. Um, you know, I think maybe again, you know, you know, nowadays it's maybe not as big a deal to be forty and be a leading actress in film, but in nineteen fifty, apparently forty was like you know old age to right, right. for because I guess now t- today with personal trainers and uh, you know high protein diets plastic surgery those types of things yeah uh being lead, lead actress in 40s probably not that is nearly as big a deal but uh that to uh, the betty davis character to margo it was like the end of her career if, you know now that she had hit 40 right um and, and that seemed like at least with her character a very major her dealing with her age was kind of a, a major you know theme throughout and let's the just go into her performance which was i thought masterful throughout and i you know we both talked about how the story weakened a little bit after she was uh less of a focus i mean she was always a focus but a little less of the focus towards uh the final act of the of, of the movie uh but she was a scene chewer oh yeah the her you know we talked about sharp dialogue but her dialogue especially was um was particularly venomous. Uh, she had some really good lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I remember that kind of struck me as particularly funny is uh, she. There's a, a party scene that I thought was kind of the to me the kind of the right. highlight of the whole movie, mm-hmm. um, where she finally kind of acts out about her you know her suspicions of Eve's true intentions, and uh, you know she she lashes out against her husband and anyone who's who's there to to hear her and she's drinking a little bit or a lot and she's being very morose and leave the party's kind of coming coming down uh and her uh her boyfriend uh the the director uh what was that bill uh, yeah bill uh came over and said you know makes a joke like you know where's the you know they're wondering when they're going to bring out the body as if it were a funeral she said no actually 
it's, it's not ready yet. It's still being embalmed. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was a really sharp line, uh, a lot sharper than my recounting of it right there. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot, and I found there was a lot of racy dialogue or, uh, you know, hidden, hidden meanings and thoughts in, in the dialogue that was very modern. Uh, I, there was one uh, piece in particular I remember that he was, uh, someone was talking about Eve coming in, and I think she was talking, uh, it was it was about to the uh, the writer of the play, I believe, and how she wanted a part in in their next production, and basically he mentioned that she came in on her knee, uh, came in begging, and the reply was on her knees, no doubt. Which I thought, you know, yeah, the 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 connotations of that today is is pretty obvious. I don't know if so much so in 1950, but I was certainly struck by the line as being uh, very modern and very racy, uh, and. I would and, think from the standards yeah. of the day, it had to have been considered pretty racy. Right. But but yet, you know, pretty, I mean, just double meaning. Sure. So, sure. Uh, yeah, there were, there were a, you know, quite a few, the conversations, they, there, there was a lot, I mean, the story was told in these conversations. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of good, not only good comebacks or, you know, some, some fights and some, some quibbles here and there, but. Um, they were also pretty good, but even just just the standard dialogue, you know, the standard conversations they were having, just that's how they told the story. So right. it's just it was refreshing to watch a movie that was kind of like that. I haven't, you know, most of the movies you see now are just not like that anymore. So sure. that was uh, that was pretty. Now the look of the movie, I thought the, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to judge, you know, a, a movie from 1950 in terms of the look. I mean, it was good to me. It was in black and white, which seemed right to me for a 1950s movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad uh but uh yeah i mean i, I thought uh the overall look i guess with the costuming and stuff was kind of a big deal with this most of it right. just takes place in uh in apartments and, and and stuff um so it's not like big wide shots one thing i thought was kind of funny is you could tell they don't do a lot of they didn't do any like on location stuff on broadway because there's right, a scene right, where yeah. the, there's yeah, a scene yeah. where they're walking down I, I i believe it's like addison and uh and eve are walking down broadway and it's clearly just them with a moving shot, you know, the, a moving shot of Broadway. They're not actually; they're just superimposed over it like a like a green screen type of thing or something. Right. I, th- I think they used backwards projection in those days. They yeah. actually projected the scene onto something behind them, and you know, they didn't have green screen, but right. they projected it. Yeah, but they're obviously just kind of <laughs> not going anywhere. Yeah. Which, which you know. N- maybe gives an older movie an element of charm you know uh that it doesn't have it doesn't have a huge budget that can do it on location and let's face it new york city would be probably a nightmare back in those days to get the proper sound um right so i was thinking about that too i mean they don't really have they probably didn't have the sophisticated booms and right uh you know the sound and the video equipment that you need to to get a worthwhile shot out or to shut down a sidewalk you know for a day in new york yeah it might take a long time to get those shots uh where as today you know you can they they shut that down for a few hours get their shots and get out um so yeah i thought it was uh that was kind of neat uh but also you know just kind of a interesting twist on trying to judge these old movies right Uh, i want to go back to the performances real quick just to talk about uh something that uh, Marilyn Monroe showing up in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. She did have a, a minor part, uh, and, and she was actually pretty good in it. I mean, did you feel like her portrayal in there was almost the modern day equivalent of, say, oh, uh, uh, Kim Kardashian showing up in a movie and kind of being a parody of herself? Right. I right. mean, to me, it was a, a it was 
she was playing a, a self parody. You know, she was kind of a ditzy blonde, and yeah. I don't necessarily think she was, you know, cast as being. Oh well, this actress is known for being it, but she obviously probably had that kind of. Uh, reputation, maybe, or or everyone thought that since she, you know, started modeling and yeah, yeah, her she was basically like the the ditzy blonde model who was trying to use celebrity to get into acting, right? And that's kind of the that was the character that she was portraying in the movie, but also probably a, you know, kind of a public persona thing too. Uh, but she did a good job of you know parroting it. I mean, she was good. It was, yeah, she was, she I was mean, she she was an actress back then, you know. Yeah, but but her delivery I thought was really was really well done you know uh she had a lot of comedic timing it seemed in there yeah i thought it was uh i thought her portrayal was fine but uh yeah that was it that was an interesting uh i didn't realize she was in it uh until no, right, until right. she showed up it's like oh hey that's Marilyn Monroe. so i thought that was a neat part of it uh so moving on to the score and the music you know not much to say about this uh you know when we're looking at these older movies we basically have to say is this are there iconic songs in this and i didn't necessarily recognize anything as being no, famous it, it seemed you know pretty it was it seemed like well done you know music for that era you know that style uh, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it it didn't detract from anything right it's basically the older movies especially you know you see like this music doesn't play a prominent part you basically have the the music over the credits and then a lot of times they'll play maybe music as a transition between scenes to let you know, okay, here is a transition. Uh, and I don't even recall anything necessarily that stood out for that, but, you know, how it'll basically play the mood of the time of this transition going to the next scene. And it kind of just sets the mood. And I'm assuming it did it well because it wasn't distracting. Right. No, I, I think it was very serviceable. And it uh, I think it won awards as well or nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, the score was by um, who was it by? His last name's Newman. Uh, Alfred Newman, yeah. uh, and he didn't worry about. Uh, I believe his quote on that: "What me worry about the score?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, when it came to awards, yeah. Of course, it was Alfred E. Newman, right? So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. maybe a different person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the score—you know—you can't say anything bad about it. Now, o- overall, I I think this movie. There's definitely, you know, it's definitely a, a, the type of thing I think people should see because I think people should know, you know, what, why was Betty Davis a well respected, well known actress? I think her performance in this tells you why. I mean, she's very strong mm-hmm. in this. Um, I think just a, some of the, what we see as cliches now in movies or, or at least expected things. You know, like in today's, if you do this movie today, and I'm surprised they haven't done a straight up. A remake of this yet right. like a complete reboot you know sort of you know even a shot for shot type of thing because mm-hmm. i mean this movie could you could do that just make it a a film actress instead of instead of broadway and um you, it, you could definitely update it and i think there's probably been a lot of movies that have borrowed from it obviously but today if you did this movie you would know that eve was up to no good all along right it wouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. Was it a surprise to people in 1950? I'm guessing it probably was at least, you know, something new, uh, or at least not uh, standard, uh, for it to be, you know, popular and award-winning movie uh, screenplay. So, that to me right there is a huge cliche that in that at that time was not there. That this movie probably set the standard for. Uh, so things like that. I think you'll see. 
a lot of things that seem really familiar and that's kind of the point of these real classics is kind of see you know the movies that set the bar for some of these um you know some of these mechanisms we use in movies today right i also thought it had the uh, the very modern theme of uh, eve basically being a lesbian uh yeah. I, I got the i got the inkling of, it, it's not overt in in the movie by any means um there there are little signals here and there but um you know just to verify it i, I went and and looked up some information on the movie and and, and it was uh indeed written for her to be a lesbian in the part so uh, while not overt, you certainly could pick up on that during the movie, and I thought yes. that's also another very interesting thing to portray along with some of the racy dialogue in 1950. Yeah, I mean, I would think that would be kind of pushing the envelope in 1950, <laughs> just kind of knowing the you know political landscape at that right. time. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I did not, uh, I didn't expect that going in. So that was you know even. Just because it was 1950s, if it was a modern day movie, it would. You oh know. no, it would be you know, yeah, yeah common. <laughs> so yeah, I think that those are a couple, um, you know, a couple aspects of this movie that make it very modern, and probably why it was kind of ahead of its time. I mean, the movies that get critical acclaim like that are always ones that are kind of pushing envelopes and things. You would think so, um, either in the production or in this case, just the themes and the in the dialogue. Um, I thought it was, uh, you know, obviously watching these older movies, uh, you, you notice things like smoked a lot of cigarettes in this movie cigarettes yeah, were sure. you know you know you don't see that anymore today but uh back then i'm sure that was the of course i think doctors recommended them back yeah then. yeah I mean, back then they yeah. had, they were doctor endorsed so yeah. uh, a lot of drinking in this movie as well you know that's what they did they party they they, they were all a lot of drinking mm-hmm. um kind of falls into like the the mad men type of uh uh you know st- stereotype of the day or whatever um so, I, I like how the uh, the reviewer was like a very powerful position. Yeah, the critic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, it, it, it just, yeah. The, I believe we have that kind of power right now. I mean, I, I don't want. I try not to flaunt it, and I try not to abuse it. But I believe there's we kind of have some of that going on. Yeah. So you know, we're really hoping to break Betty Davis's <laughs> career here. So uh, <laughs> this unknown actress, get out and see her. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a movie that's, uh, I felt good about watching it and I think I would recommend modern audiences to take a look at it. I think it holds up well. Uh, it's definitely got elements of the time, but I think you're not going to, you know, that's kind of the point. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it also pushes the envelope a little bit and I think the story and the dialogue, um, hold up for modern audiences. No, I I completely agree. And, uh, to make it easier on you, I believe it's on Netflix too. That's how you watched it, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, available for streaming. So that makes it easy to go out there and, and give it a look. And, you know, I, I completely uh, agree with Chris. It holds up well uh, under modern scrutiny. I think you'll be kind of surprised by the dialogue. I think how sharp it is. Uh, very rarely do you hear dialogue of, of this nature in movies today. You know, maybe maybe not in the same vein, but thinking about dialogue, it may be like a Quentin Tarantino and kind of that back and forth and, and quick quips and uh double meanings and uh I, I think it holds up very well so i'd go give it a look yep so uh hey we knocked this one out pretty good <laughs> review uh, i think this is a pretty good uh first shot at real classics and we're going to be doing some more you should see one hopefully about every week um maybe more who knows we'll we'll, we'll try to knock them out and let you know uh the purpose again is 
we want to introduce a new audience to to these movies because uh, we we feel like today's movies. I, I think one of the reasons that we came this direction is quite honestly we're we're somewhat disappointed with the movies of today. Yeah, I mean, it just it seemed like you know we're gonna we're gonna watch new movies. We're gonna still do. Uh, you will still see reviews of new movies uh, coming from DTMB Media. However, um, you know we wanted to kind of expand try to expand on good movies and not because right. when we're, we're going to see something in the theater new, we don't know there's going to be good or bad. We're just going to, we're going to watch it. We're going to let you know, let our, and, uh, and kind of follow, you know, the good trends and the bad trends that are out there. But we want to watch some, some really iconic, great movies uh, and be able to tell what makes a great movie instead of just watching whatever's out there and trying to, you know, break it down. Yeah, and if you notice, we didn't actually give the sections of ratings like like we're going to do in our in our other reviews, which are going to we're going to call real reviews, uh, and that's real. When we're saying real, that's R E E L. So just just to make it clear, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're being clever here. Uh, but we're not going to break break down each section, give it a rating. We're not that pretentious to go back and and give ratings to an award winning movie. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we need to to give ratings to uh, All About Eve. I, yeah. mean, I think time has, uh, you know, it, it's 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 withstood the test of time as a classic. I don't think they need us to give it a four or five on the uh, one through five scale. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I agree. So that'll wrap it up for uh, this week's uh, Real Classics, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. This has been a Don't Tell Me My Business Media production.